So as I said, I have been pretty much sleeping all week. So um, my preparation time has been uh, very much affected by that, this uh, this study. But, um, you know, the Lord has been faithful to me today to be able to put together some notes. So uh, we'll go over what we can and see what God has for us. His word is still effective. Uh, you know, we, you know, it's it's funny how uh, how many times that you know in between those of us that have have taught just realize that it's really not about the vessel that's being used; it's the Word of God. <laughs> that's what changes us. That's what does the work. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's some very blessed teachers that I um, <clears throat> that are are very very gifted in in their ways of communication and and things that I. Uh, very much uh, learned from, uh, but sometimes uh, the the most powerful thing is for us to sit in front of the word and just read it. And uh, we're going to actually get into some things, but uh, just a heads up. So <clears throat> Genesis 32. Now, uh, last week um, we got to the point in our study where Jacob was asking Laban to be able to go home. And uh, it turned into uh, a, a sheep experiment, experiment um, between Laban and uh, and Jacob, and uh, Jacob really just said, "Hey, you know, I'll take all the spotted and all those." Uh, and then Laban, uh, he said, "Later today, I want to go look through. I'll I'll take all those." But before he could get there, Laban already took them and drove them three days away. Uh, really, he started at that point, and kept, they kept going for two more days. So there were there were none. So, uh, you know, the deal was already kind of broken uh, up by Laban, but uh, the Lord had blessed uh, everything that Jacob did in uh, the in the breeding of of the of the sheep. And uh, there were some different techniques that he used of stripping uh, uh, the, the, the reeds and putting them in water near water and everything. We discussed those. Ultimately, it was the Lord blessing. And. Then uh, the, he realizes that now he doesn't have favor at all in Laban's eyes. And uh, between Laban and his sons, uh, they seem to be growing hostile towards him. So he's at a point now where he has to uh, grab his, his family and the Lord. Now he's got the Lord's uh, blessing uh, and guidance to leave. And so he packs his family up and he leaves. And Laban chases him down. And uh, when they finally catch up to him seven days later, they overtook them. Uh, Laban seems like, you know, he's upset and he's kind of making this, you know, playing the violin that oh, I didn't get to give you guys a party like I would have. And we know that wasn't going to be the deal. Laban's got something up his sleeve all the time. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a great deceiver. And, uh, so what it comes down to is he's ultimately upset about the, the household gods that were stolen, um, by Rachel. Uh, and, uh, so, uh, sorry. Yeah, Rachel. And, uh, so she stole them and she hides them in the tent. So when Laban, you know, or Jacob's like, Hey, take the life of whoever has them if you find them. And thankfully, uh, they didn't find it because he would have lost his wife. That's a stupid vow to make. But um, when you're, uh, and we talked about it, when you're, uh, uh, when you know you stand in righteousness about something, you can stand boldly. 
And, uh, and so he, he does. And uh, Rachel was guilty of doing it. She just didn't get caught because she had him stuck under uh, the a saddle of the donkey. So, um, and then she pretended that it was her monthly uh, period time. And, and so her dad doesn't want anything to do with that and leaves. And, uh, and then Jacob just jumps right in, in Laban's face and, and lays into it. And you know, 20 years of frustration pour out, right? Remember? 20 years just pouring out. And you did this, and you did this, and you did this, and you did this. He's got a lot to go over. And uh, so they come to a, an agreement, and they, they agree to um, have peace. Uh, and in that specific spot, they uh, made a mound of rocks, and they said, hey, neither of us, let's agree now that neither of us will pass over this spot uh, for harm. If we're going to visit, we're going to visit, but never for harm. This is, this is a covenant we're making. So they make a covenant together. And uh, that's where we leave off in the end of uh, 31. So in 32, uh, verse 1, it says, So Jacob went on his way. So that's where he's going from. And the angels of God met him. When Jacob saw them, he said, This is God's camp. And he called the name of the place Mahanaim. So uh, you know, Jacob had just made this agreement with Laban, as we discussed, and he's on his way back to his father's house. He wants to get back to uh, the land that uh, God had told them that they were going to have. And, and um, you know, God had just told him to go back. So now he's, he's obeying the Lord and he's doing what he should do. And um, there isn't much commentary uh, regarding what's, what's being said here. Uh, in verse one, that angels of God met him there, and and what it looked like, what they said, uh, what the experience was like. Um, we know that in in uh, the time when he was uh, in Bethel, uh, that that he changed the name from Luz to Bethel, that he uh, he experienced, he could he could see the angels of God ascending and descending on a ladder, uh, and that was a symbol of God's uh, ministering you know, on earth, and that he could actually see. God ministering in that place and oh God is in this place you know so um, we but we don't have that type of commentary here we just know that he was met in a way that was obvious that they were angels and you know God told him that uh, at Bethel that he would care for him and, and bring him back and uh, this scenario there was something that was done here that he was able to see this and and realize that this is God's camp and um so as we're, we're, we're looking at this, the, the Mahanaim is two camps, is what that word means. That's, he's got his family there, but God is actually camping there, is, is, is what Mahanaim means. So uh, he was unaware of this uh, and, uh, until uh, they had made themselves known, is, is what it seems um, to be. Now that will probably sound familiar from the last time. Uh, you know, when he had laid his head down on the stone, he was running from uh, his brother and uh, running to Laban. And uh, as he's as he's on the run, he's tired. He's got nowhere to stay. So he grabs a stone and puts his head on the stone. And um, he has this uh, this dream, and he could see those things. So <clears throat> he had he had been through a lot the first time, and now he's. Uh, had just got done running from Laban, and now he can breathe a little bit, and and now they're starting to move forward. So a little bit similar, uh, where he's he's still moving in a, in a different direction, but God is uh, is speaking to him, and 
um, he what we see here and and uh, what is developing is where we can't see what's uh, you know uh, kind of behind these two verses here. We can understand that when he said this is God's camp, that he's becoming more familiar with spiritual things um, and how God works. You know, so he's saying uh, this is uh, this is God's camp and it's his camp. So he calls it Mahanaim because it's two camps, right? So spiritual things, uh, what he didn't realize, were happening all around him, and that's even for us. We can we can forget the fact that. Uh, there is a spiritual world around us. Uh, you know, when, when we see in the scripture that it's, it's uh, you know, there's there's battles happening, uh, you know, around us, which is crazy to think of because we can, uh, this is what we can see, you know, that we, while we can see is, is uh, you know, our, what we can touch and feel and, you know, we have our senses to go by, but there's a whole different ball game happening and uh, battle happening that uh, that we're not aware of. So keep that in mind, you know, when we're going through, uh, you know, these are massive times in, in Jacob's life. Life. I mean, he had just deceived his dad in one of them and uh, just lost the, the relationship with his brother, whatever he had for a relationship, and uh, just walked away from his mother for the last time. And uh, so he... Uh, in that time, he, he saw what he saw and, and realized, wow, there's a spiritual thing going on here that I wasn't aware of. And now he had just had this, uh, this interaction with Laban, and now he's got his family, and he's not alone by himself anymore. And he's moving back towards his father, and, uh, and, and he's still seeing um, something spiritual that, that he may not have been aware of. And uh, it's important for us to realize that there are times in our lives that we're going to be, I think, hypersensitive to uh, something spiritual that's happening in our life because it's blatantly obvious. That If you're like me, if you're like me, when it's blatantly obvious where I'm like, there's no other explanation than this. But it's those things that are happening maybe on a normal day that we may not realize may be so key to us understanding how God is working in our life. You know, a conversation that we had uh, could be our time in the word. It could be uh, the, the most basic of things that we've done that God just lightens our eyes up and go, wait a minute, I didn't realize that this was happening here. So it's this is an eye-opener for us that, you know, Jacob's just on his way and angels meet him. And, and uh, that we need to understand that, that we do have angels that minister to us. And uh, that's what they're for. They're, they're higher beings than us, but they're actually to serve us. You know, if you look at the scripture, that's just how, how it's made up. You know, they, they serve us. They, uh, they do things on behalf of God for us. And uh, it's, it's quite amazing to think of. And, and um, you know, don't, just don't get to a point where, uh, where we can get to so easily, my encouragement to you is, you know, if you're not understanding something or, uh, even if you're in uh, obedience to the word and and you're following the Lord and you're walking with him and, and uh, you you don't have uh, any uh, specific sin that you can look at and go oh that that really has been dominating me lately you know all those things where you where you're like I should be I, I right now I just I, the Lord is really blessing me and spiritually strong and and those things and, and just realize that that uh, you know the Lord has been at work, uh, you know, throughout those things, but uh, it, it's oftentimes when we uh, are struggling, where we're going. God, are you even caring for me? And he's like, 
yes, I've been uh, here the whole time. You're just not listening to me. You know, there are those times too. So, but the, the spiritual things that happen, and uh, we just need to be uh, aware that that the Lord uh, does work on our behalf in ways that we can't see. <clears throat> so Jacob goes from this spiritual high of saying, "Wow, this is God's camp." And uh, to a reality situation, and in verse three, you know, he's been thinking about what was going to happen when he went home uh, for the past twenty years. You know, he had uh, he and his brother didn't leave on good terms. The last thing he heard from his brother is that he wanted to kill him, and uh, he knew that he had, uh, you know, committed uh, something shameful with his father and deceived his father, and um, there was so much going on. Oh, thank you, brother. And uh, there was so much going on there that. Um, he didn't, uh, he didn't have the best of, you know, you'd think if somebody's leaving and, and they don't know when they're coming back. But remember when, when Rebecca sent him away, it was, Hey, just go away for a few days. Let's let him cool down. Two decades later, he's coming back. Right. So he's had a lot of, a lot of time to process this. So he goes from that high of God, uh, you know, this is God's camp and, you know, naming the place and everything to the reality that's, uh, that's, uh, that's coming here is, uh, I'm going to see my brother soon, and uh, I've got to focus on that. So, um, you know, that's uh, I, I know that we've all experienced a time where we've been maybe gone to men's or women's retreat or youth camp or something where you're like, this is awesome. I don't even want to go home. And we're like, but I got to get on with life. Pretty much a situation like this is this is awesome. God just ministered to me. Now I still need to face this giant standing in front of me. Verse 3 says, uh, Then Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. And he commanded them, saying, Speak thus to my lord Esau. Thus says your servant Jacob. Uh, thus your servant Jacob says, I have dwelt with Laban and stayed there until now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, and male and female servants. I have sent to tell my Lord that I may find favor in your sight. Then the messengers returned to Jacob saying, we came to your brother Esau and he also is coming to meet you. And 400 men are with him. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> this is probably what he was like, the biggest thing he was fearing, right? So, you know, Jacob's uh, hope was that he was, he was going to send these messengers saying, hey, I got a bunch of big stuff to give you. And uh, if you notice the wording that's, that's used here, speak thus to my Lord Esau. Thus your servant Jacob says. Now, I'm a little brother of, of, of two older brothers. I uh, typically am not going to call them Lord. In fact, I never have, <laughs> and I don't plan to ever call them Lord. You know, that's uh, you know, there's a different capital L and lowercase L, and and uh, and I'll receive text message from them at some point uh, when they hear of this. And uh, but I I I don't plan on ever calling them that. And uh, what we see is that he's putting himself in the place of service to his brother um, because he's trying to gain favor and is he's buttering him up. You know, it's, it's really what, hey, I'm going to talk to you like this now versus uh, how how I normally would talk to you. Hey, okay, Harry, right? His name's Harry, right? You got Harry and Jake here, and, and now he's calling him Lord. But, um, you know, your servant, Jacob. And uh, <clears throat> he goes on to explain where he's been. His brother knows where he had been and, and what has happened. And, 
and he's saying, hey, I've got all these things. I've, I've sent, to tell, uh, sent them to tell you that I may find favor in your sight. And, um, you know, when, when, they, when they come back, they're coming with dreadful news for him. This is horrifying news. Now, remember who Esau is, you know, you know, and, and remember the context that they had. Uh, yeah, I just got a text. My phone just lit up. Uh, so there it didn't it didn't take long, did it? So um, so there's the uh, um, there's the the interesting dynamic of him just leaving and uh, with the murderous threat against him from this man and uh he knows who Esau is. He's a man of the field. You know, he's a guy who's, uh, he's hairy. He smells like a field. There was, uh, he was led by his emotions and desires. I mean, he's very much driven by what's happening right in front of him. Right. So when he knows this, because this is how he, he ended up getting him to sell him his birthright for a bowl of stew, right. Was just saying, I know you're hungry and I know you're weak right now. Why don't you just give me your birthright? Uh, for this meal. So he knew that this guy could be stirred by um, the circumstances and the circumstances right now point to where he is and that he's vulnerable. And now that he hears that Esau is coming with 400 men, things get real for Jacob really fast. And he's getting scared and uh, uh, not only scared, but if you look at verse seven, it says, so Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed and he divided the people that were with him and the flocks and herds and camels into two companies. And he said, if Esau comes to the one company and attacks it, then the other company, which is left will escape. I mean, he's now drawing up survival plans. He doesn't even have battle plans. It's Jacob with his uh, two wives, his uh, and their maidservants who became legal wives to him, but they don't have the same legal rights as his uh, as Leah and Rachel did. And uh, he's got his kids there, and he's got a bunch of animals. You know, it's not like they're they're you know running through fully loaded with with uh, you know an arsenal here. They're they're trying to move through uh, and safely get to where they're going. And uh, so he's panicking now, and he's not sure you know, what's going to happen, but he knows that he's greatly afraid and distressed. And, uh, his reaction to this is to split everybody up. And, uh, he's, he's, he's thinking that, you know, if Esau is going to come and kill everybody, at least half of us will survive. I mean, I've never been in that situation. I haven't, I, I, I can say I was talking to uh, a friend at work who, uh, spent 30 years as a prison guard, 30 years as a prison guard is a long time. And uh, we were talking recently about a, a situation where <clears throat> when we were in Boston uh, a few years ago, my family and I were in Boston. Uh, we uh, were on the train and uh, some guy, there's a, 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 a lady that's, I don't know, she's probably early 20s and she's dressed like she's going to work, business dress and everything. And, and this guy's sitting across from her and uh, you can tell he uh, is living on the streets and, uh, he's not very, uh, not a guy that I'm going to trust around my family. He's very loud and kind of boisterous and everything. And he's trying to yell to this lady and she's trying to ignore it. And uh, we're sitting there and, uh, I, I realize how stupid it, it, it could have been, but I'm like, I can't sit here and do nothing, you know? But I realize I'm, I set myself up for a potential uh, problem here where, you know, what if, what if he's armed and I'm sitting here and I got my 
shoe that I can take off and try to fight. You know what I mean? And, uh, and, and I just, I yelled to him and thankfully he was so inebriated that he couldn't even tell where the yell came from, you know? So he, he's looking around and I'm, I, I almost got up and, and I, I wanted to move over, but I'm like, well, this lady doesn't know who I am and I'm not going to leave my family. I found myself in that spot where I'm stuck. Like he could hurt her or he could hurt them. And, and, you know, what am I going to do? You know, it was, I, that's as close as I can probably say that, that I would have been and, you know, thankfully the guy had no clue and he looks down later and looks at me and tries to offer me a beer. And I'm like, no, I don't want your beer, man. And yeah, so anyways, it, it was, it was a funny situation looking back on it, scared the kids. Um, I can't say that I wasn't a little, you know, jittery. I, I was kind of like, I don't know what's going to happen here, but I'm not going to let him hurt her or my family. But it was that, well, she's over here and my family's here. And I, I, I you know, it, it, so we were talking about those things at work and, you know, to be in that situation is not a good one. And this is where he's got family here and family here. And uh, he, he's just hoping that none of them get killed. <clears throat> that's that's an awful spot for him to be in. You know, he, he's he's panicking and, and uh, uh, he's in a spot where, you know, this is a, a man that, uh, you know, he had, <laughs> if you consider what Jacob did to him. I mean, when you really look back to it, you know, that Jacob... Literally, it'd be like he played him for Halloween, right? He puts all his clothes on. He puts goat's skin on. And, uh, you know, he smells like his brother. He's, he's got the whole gambit going here. And and, uh, and he's, he smells like him. His voice didn't match up, though, did it? You know, so his dad uh, ultimately um, ends up uh, just saying, well, you know what? The voice doesn't match, but everything else kind of does. And he blesses him. And uh, so, so knowing Esau knowing wait he did the, he did what he put my clothes on he did these things so he's probably replayed this in his mind so many times of what what's Esau gonna do so when it came down to what was happening here he's like maybe he's thinking I put his clothes on you know maybe you know maybe he's offended that I put goat's hair on my arm to, to act like who knows right but he knows that Esau you know is a man of the field and now uh, he knows 400 people are coming and he's scared and he splits these these people up and he's dividing things up and he's uh, hoping uh, to to retain half. And, and remember that he's already exhausted. You know, they've, they'd already run uh, from Laban. They were already moving and everybody was already tired. And, and uh, you know, he had uh, probably thinking, now what did I get my family into now? I thought God told me to move forward, right? God told him that you can go back. And look what happens in verse 9. Then Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, return to your country and your family, I will deal well with you. I am not worthy of the least of your mercies and of all the truth which you have shown your servant. For I crossed over this Jordan with my staff, and now I have become two companies. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come and attack me and the mother of my children. Uh, for you said, I am surely, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. So Jacob, in this time of panic and, and great distress and fear, does the right thing here, and he stands on God's promises in prayer. These were promises made specifically to Jacob in his life 
that he can bring back to the Lord and say, Lord, remember you said these things. And he's standing on there. This isn't, you know, uh, Jacob's own desire that he's trying to hang around God's neck and say, ah, no, I claimed it. This is you have to do these things. Uh, I think all of I, I know all of you well enough to understand uh, that you uh, that you to know that you understand that God is not our servant. God isn't the one that is now bound by the promises that we make for ourselves that we say God has to uh, God has to honor. That's not how things work. He's a creator of the universe. He made us, and uh, he is the one very much in charge. So when we go to him, we can go to him on promises that he's made to us in the scriptures. You know, when you can look at, you know, as we've studied and we're going to hopefully, hopefully I'll, I'll be here this coming Sunday. We were going to cover them last Sunday was the uh, Jesus's prayer for the church and, and for believers. And um, when, when we see uh, his heart for us and those are things that we can claim in our lives, like I know that you want this because you prayed this. So we can go to the Lord with certain things with boldness. We can approach his his throne of grace with boldness at times. But we can't go with our own agenda. And he goes on God's agenda. And he's like, Lord, you were the one that mentioned this, right? So as you know, this is all happening. I need, I'm, I'm really crying out for you to deliver me now. Remember the promise. Remember what you said to me. And, uh, you know, God hasn't gone anywhere. He's still very much with Jacob. And uh, just like he had just experienced at Mahanaim, where uh, he had, had seen that, wow, God's with me. The two camps, God is with me. But he can't see God at this time. And uh, so what we see here is, is Jacob doing the right thing and, uh, and going to the Lord in prayer as he should, reminding the Lord of the promises he made for Jacob, for his family, for his life. Not that God forgot, but that's when we can approach God boldly and say, Lord, I know you said these things. Can you, uh, you know, please deliver me, help me. Verse 10, we see Jacob absolutely nail it. That, you know, we've seen Jacob do some stupid things. The deceiver, the supplanter, the schemer. Uh, he, he knows that he's not worthy of God's mercy. He says here in verse 10, I'm not worthy of the least of all your mercies. Of everything you have to offer for mercy, Lord, I'm not worthy of the least of them. This is Jacob calling out. He knows he's not going to scheme God, right? Because, you know, it's God. Uh, so he's saying, Lord, I am not worthy of the least of your mercies. That's a, a, a powerful statement in and of itself uh, to, for, for one to say that. And then to continue and say, in all the truth which you have shown your service, your mer uh, servant, your mercy and your truth. That God would open our eyes to uh, his truth is, is an amazing mercy in and of itself and grace. Uh, that the Lord would would reveal his his mystery to us, right? As the scripture says, of salvation, that we can be saved and um, of his love for us. And when you look at, at what's being said here, when when he he just completely nails it is, you know, he's he's we see Jacob growing in front of our eyes is that he's coming to the point where, you know, he 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 was a deceiver and he, he got what he wanted and he had to run away. And for 20 years, Man, did he go through the grinder with his father-in-law Laban? You know, he thought things. Oh, you know, things are going to be good. Oh, look at Rachel; she's beautiful. You know, and 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 serves uh, seven years for Rachel, and and look what happens. <laughs> the night he's supposed to get her, uh, you know, he gets Leah, and uh, so he gets deceived there. So he had, he had been through the grinder, 
been through some stuff and uh, no doubt learned that it doesn't feel good to be on the other side of deception. And it doesn't feel good to be lied to and to be cheated. And uh, so we know that he had uh, grown and uh, he is growing spiritually. Like you said, before our eyes, as we're reading, we get to learn more about him. And you know, this, this growth is, uh, is coming in his life. Uh, as he's seeking the Lord, we see it come out, right? Uh, and, and that is often the case for us is as we're seeking the Lord, we're going to see the spiritual growth in our life. If we're not, if the Lord isn't our our main focus in our life, if He isn't our number one priority in our life, uh, then we our our growth will be stunted at that point. We're not, we're not going to continue to grow because because we're we're at a spot right now where something else is more important than God, and we've got our priorities in the wrong place. So the Lord has to take that time. And rearrange things. For Jacob, it took 20 years. 20 years is a long time. Two decades is a long time for God to just be mercifully working in Jacob's life. And Jacob's still making a mess of things, right? We'll we'll talk about that here uh, as as we progress through. But the, you know, there's uh, you know, God is working. But uh, at the end of as he's coming out of this and he's he's seeking God's face in prayer and and he's uh, he has learned some lessons over time. He comes to the Lord on God's mercy, and he's asking God, if there's a, the, the least of that mercy that you have, I know I'm not worthy of it. I know I'm not worthy of the truth. I know I'm not worthy of it, but I'm asking you for it. Can you, can you, can you, please, can you please help me? And he, he, he begs in verse 11, deliver me, I pray, out of the hand of my brother. My brother's coming with 400 men. You know, if, it, if it's not going to get real uh, fast for, for somebody from that, I don't know what's going to. You know, Harry, the guy that, that he just ripped off and uh, and uh, he knows is a rough dude. Harry's a rough guy, you know, um, and uh, that he'd be coming after him. So uh, he's he's growing in this time and he's seeking uh, the Lord's face and he's asking. And uh, <clears throat> it's uh, there's a I don't know about you guys, but it's not always just time that we need to grow. Sometimes we do need time to grow. Um, I, I know that in my life, there have been times where I've got a spiritual nostril sp sticking out of the water, right? Because I'm, I'm just doing the dumbest things I can and I'm just doing what I want to do. And I'm, I'm at that, that, that point in my life where I'm, I'm just like, just trying to get that breath, trying to, trying to keep going. And, you know, God, God is so faithful to minister and to teach us from those things. You know, there's uh, sometimes it is time and I hope it's not always the case for us because I don't want us to take 20 years to get something out of our life. If we do persevere and continue on with him. Remember, we talked about that um, a few Sundays ago uh, was the um, sanctification process. You know, that, that as we're walking with the Lord, that that being being <coughs> excuse me, sanctified, being built up, being set apart, that that 
as where edification is being built up. But that sanctification is being continuously, okay, take this out of your life. And the Lord's taking this out of your life and this and this. And it's it's a continual thing. As we grow spiritually, things start falling. We're no longer content with that. It doesn't, it, it doesn't entice us like it did. Whatever it might have been no longer has its grip on us. And the Lord just taking those things out slowly as time goes. Sometimes with time. Sometimes it's quick. You know, sometimes there's a <clears throat> just beware in our lives that we have an enemy that wants to remind us of those bad old days and say, hey, remember, remember, oh, you know, and, and remember that person? Remember, you know, all those things and just wants to remind us of those things. You know, those are those are things we don't want in our life. But we see in Jacob here a growth that has happened. He's learned from his mistakes. The Lord is ministering uh, to him. He's growing. And uh, when we come to the point that we understand we're just like him, that in the sense that, uh, you know, we're not worthy of God's mercy and his truth. When, when we get to that point, when we realize, wait a minute, I thought I was a good guy. I thought, you know, uh, you know, people, you know, I, I don't have a lot of enemies. I don't have, you know, I don't uh, steal from people. I don't do these things over here. I'm, I'm an okay person. And then we look at the, the standard of perfection that God has set to show us our need for him and that his grace and his mercy is the only thing that, that is sufficient for us, then we realize I'm not worthy of any of it. Nothing. What I did in, in that aspect of my life or this was a complete offense to God. God said this, and he makes the rules. And when you see, uh, and really, okay, so let's, uh, I'll try not to go on too long of a rabbit trail, but, you know, the, the rebellion against the Lord um, that we so easily get into. And I'm not just pointing our fingers, I'm pointing at ourselves too. But has God really asked a lot of us, you know, love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbors ourselves? Those aren't really difficult things. They're really not. You know, love God more than anything because he's our creator. That should just come naturally, right? You know, uh, and, and then to, to care for and love our our, our neighbors. It's this sinful world that muds them all up and it gets everybody confused. And they're like, why would I want anything to do with that God? Because you don't understand. He's not the one that did all this. It's this fallen world that has you questioning his existence because of all the craziness in this world. Well, why doesn't he do it? Because he said it in order and he told us not to, we're going to have to order answer for, you know, the disorder in it is really what's going to happen. He's, he's put us here and said, Hey, here's your world. You know, and, and this is the way you're supposed to conduct yourselves. And what has the world done? Completely rebelled against him and done exact opposite of what he's told us to do. We can be just like it, like like Jacob in, in that sense where, uh, you know, we, uh, we don't uh, until a certain point realize, you know, that we're not worthy of his mercy and of his truth. You know, if we remember Paul... You know, if you, if you think of Paul now and, and you think of you don't know anything about his history and you just start reading the epistles uh, that, that Paul wrote and you read about and you read about the stuff that that Paul, uh, you know, went, that he experienced in his life, that he went through getting stoned, um, uh, you know, just just being whipped, uh, being uh, just persecuted for the faith, which he once. Per if you don't know that he did all that before and you think of Paul, you're like, wow, that guy. 
and you just and then you start reading in his epistles and he says, yeah, I'm the chief of sinners. And you kind of read back and you realize who Saul of Tarsus was. And then his name eventually became Paul, our, you know, our brother, the Apostle Paul, that someday we'll meet. And uh, how did he identify himself? The chief of sinners is like, that's crazy. You know, think of all the uh, all the the, uh, the the large portion of the New Testament that that man wrote that the Lord just continued to pour in and through him to minister uh, to to uh, you know millions and millions and millions over time from a guy that considered himself to be the chief of sinners. You know, it's the broken and contrite heart that grabs God's attention and the humility uh, that that seeks Him and and. Uh, then what happens when we seek the Lord in humility? You know, it's humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up, right? We never have to go to the Lord. Please don't ever. <laughs> don't. And if you know people that do, that, that are lifting themselves up in front of God, I tithe, I do all this. You've got to pay attention to me and I, I do all these things. And yeah, okay. That's not necessarily coming to God on a, on a you know humble level. That's going to God on our own good things, you know, of course, dropping off all the other stuff and, and the junk that could be there. It's the humility that, that uh, the Lord uh, just it draws uh, his attention. You know, Jacob called out to God according to his promises, his mercy, we know is undeserved, uh, and his truth, and, and that's the way to do it. You know, in a time uh, that we're calling out to the Lord is to call out to him based on his mercies. And his his truth, and uh, when we call out to him in those things, we know that he's going to answer. Um, you know, as Jacob said, he's not worthy of the least of that mercy. And, and we see Jacob's facing a potential real threat to his family and his life. He went to God with it, and uh, we see he still took some of his own methods. But you know, he uh, he realized after he split everybody up, he's like, I gotta pray, and so he prays. Verse 13, so he lodged there the same night and took what came to his hand as a present for Esau, his brother, 200 female goats and 20 male goats, uh, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 milk camels uh, with their colts, 40 cows, 10 bulls, uh, 20 female uh, donkeys and 10 foals. Then he delivered them to the hand of his servants, uh, servants, every drove by itself, and said to his servants, Pass over before me and put some distance between successive droves. And he commanded the first one, saying, When Esau, my brother, meets you and asks you, saying, To whom do you belong and where are you going? Uh, whose are these in front of you? Then you shall say, they are your servant Jacob's. It is a present. Uh, it is a present sent to my lord Esau, and behold, he also is behind us. So he commanded the second, the third, and all who followed the droves, saying, "In this manner you shall speak to Esau when you find him, and also say, Behold, your servant is behind us. Servant Jacob is behind us." For he said, I will appease him with the present that goes before me, and afterward I will see him with my face, and perhaps uh, I will see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. So the present went on over before him. 
But he himself lodged that night in the camp, and he arose that night and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons, and crossed over the ford of Jabbok. He took them, sent them over the brook, and sent over what he had. So Jacob had prayed and wasn't sure what God, you know, what God was going to do. Uh, so he continued with a plan that he thought was smart, and he sends gifts in droves to uh, Esau, as we read here. He's sending, you know, camels and rams and donkeys, and you know, he's got everything, cows, and uh, they're they're all getting sent uh, to him. And if the first doesn't soften him up, then the second will, and he might get bribed enough by the third. And so we still see a little bit of the, of, of, of Jacob. You know, doing some scheming here because he's trying to win his brother's favor, saying, hey, you know what, maybe I can butter him up with some good stuff. And he's sending things to him and, and uh, he's saying, tell them that they are, are from me and that I'm coming after each of these, he's saying. So he's, he's testing the waters here. He's sending gifts to appease, hoping that they're going to work. So uh, he's he's scheming again, buttering up and uh you know, Esau might have been waiting for 20 years for this day. <laughs> so he's like, all right, maybe I could soften him up as things are going here. And, you know, no doubt he's thinking, oh, man, yeah, when he, I'm sure when he heard about the goat's hair, he got extra mad. And and then he found out I'm wearing his clothes and, you know, all those things. And he, those things are just going. He's like, I just got to send some stuff. So after seeing all this, you know, he's he's hoping that he's going to be uh, buttered up, and uh, he's going to uh, look favorably on his brother. And uh, then he, he sent them off, and he takes his family and cross over the brook. And now we see Jacob alone. In verse 24, then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him. Now, this might seem like, what? Uh, you know, okay, so we got all this going on, and Jacob's alone, and they, they just two dudes start wrestling. You know, that, that can be a little confusing when you when you start looking at it here. But verse 24, let's read through. And Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now, when he saw that he did not prevail, that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip went out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go for the day breaks. But he said, Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. And he, uh, the man said, uh, your name shall, long, no, shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. But you, uh, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. And Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said to him, why is it that you ask me about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed uh, over Penuel, uh, the sun rose on him, and he limped on his hip. <clears throat> Therefore, to this day, the children of Israel do not eat the muscle that shrank, uh, which is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip in the muscle that shrank. Very interesting. So everything's geared between this meeting between Jacob and Esau. 
that's about to happen. Jacob starts getting his family. He's getting them over to the brook. And he's like, you guys stay here. I'm going to stay here for the night. He gets alone. And then we get into this wrestling match with this man. Now in your, in your Bibles, it should, the man, the word man should be capitalized. So this is a, um, this is a, uh, a Christophany. This is a, um, a appearance of Christ in the old Testament. He's wrestling with Jesus Christ. This is, this is awesome. You know, now remember, uh, as I was a wrestler, I still love wrestling, still follow wrestling, Jacob's name, heel snatcher, right? And, uh, here we come to the heel snatcher, the guy that's used to getting the hold, right? To, to supplanting. He's now wrestling physically, uh, with, uh, with God, with God in the flesh. And, uh, they're wrestling until the breaking of day. This is a long night. This is a this is a a battle that's going along. This is this is quite a, a grapple. And it says now when he when he saw he did not prevail against him, uh, we understand that God is stronger than Jacob, right? So this is this is uh, an interesting thing here that you know uh, you know God had Jacob alone, and there's 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 nobody for Jacob to put in front of him, so he can't create this scheme and everything and. How did this wrestling match start? I have no idea. Did did like did the man just kind of come out and you know it's it is kind of funny, isn't it? To to kind of think like, rah, did he jump out and they're just gonna start wrestle uh, wrestling? I don't know, but we don't know how it started. That's a cool thing that we're gonna have to ask. Like, how did the match start? Was it an agreed thing? Was it a hey, we're gonna talk? But all we know is that there was a wrestling match that's that started here and. You know, were their words, and, and now, now we know here. Uh, you know, like I said, I grew up in, in uh, a house where there were three boys, and uh, we had two girls. We had five of us, and uh, it wasn't uncommon for us to get in uh, wrestling matches. Always turned into somebody crying and fighting, anyways. But you know, it's never, it's never just a, a, a fun wrestling until you get older. You know, once you get older, then you can kind of go, all right, I've had enough, and you know, it doesn't usually turn into blows, right? Um, a funny wrestling story. I used to, uh, my brother Chad uh, and his wife Amy had a, uh, a Rottweiler, and uh, Houdini was her name. Awesome dog, and they, she got her name because whatever pen we'd put her in, she would escape. And um, I grew very close to this dog, and and uh, so close that as in uh, when I was wrestling in high school, I would wrestle with Houdini all the time. You know, she's a Rottweiler that might scare some people, but I saw her as a poodle. You know what I mean? And, and I'm wrestling with her and I, I'd get her and I'd do rolls with her and I'd pin her and, you know, and I'd let her think she's winning and everything. And one time I got her right above me ah, and she drooled right in my mouth, right in the wrestling match. Okay. So I, I just, I, I, that I, I had to share as, as we're going through here because I, I, there are times that we've had fun wrestling matches and, uh, and, and you remember those things. And uh, those things stick out. Now, uh, for Jacob, this is a whole different wrestling match. You know, this isn't you know wrestling the the family dog. This is this is uh, all out wrestling with God. And you know, when we understand who this man is, excuse me, I, I there's an interesting quote, uh, just a portion of a quote I want to share from Spurgeon that says, "This match was, um, as Spurgeon says, to wrestle out." of him much of his own strength and wisdom that's what's happening he's he's so used to going about things 
on he's a he was wise. He was that's one thing you could say of of, of Jacob, wise in the ways of the world, right? Is he he was uh, a a a deceiver and he understood ways to twist things so that he would benefit. And uh, what was happening here, I like how Spurgeon said it, to wrestle out of him much of his own strength and wisdom. You know, this this man, Jesus, uh, that he's wrestling, uh, wrestled with him all night until uh, the break of day. And, and Jacob thought he had the upper hand as they're wrestling. Now, um, we'll get into what Hosea has to say about this uh, here in, in just a few moments uh, because it, it puts a different. Actually, I'm going to read it to you now because I don't want to kind of put that out there and then go to it later. Hosea describes it as this in Hosea 12, verses 3 and 4. It says, He took his brother by the heel. In the womb, speaking of Jacob, and in his strength, he struggled with God. Yes, he struggled with the angel and prevailed. He wept and sought favor from him. That's the important when when you consider uh, that he wept and sought favor. This was this was a desperate wrestling from Jacob. This wasn't like ah, I'm just going to pin him. You know, where where a family wrestling match might be, right? Where I, I've got to get bragging rights or anything. This was, this was, some. this is something, Spirit, this is something happening. I'm not going to let you go until uh, you bless me. But he, he wept and sought favor from him. He just, in desperation, because the Lord is was getting out of him. Because we see near the end of this, at the end, the end of the match, when he touches his hip, and it starts coming to a discussion. Let me go, and you know all these things. I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. And then it comes to what's your name? And then he says, "Well, my name's Heel Snatcher. You know, my name's Supplanter. Not anymore. It's not. Your name is governed by God. You're not going to be. You don't have to share that name. That can be shameful. You can now share a new name." in me uh, based on what what's happened to you here and, and what the Lord is doing in his life. <clears throat> yeah, what, what's your name? I love that. What's your name? You know, I, I don't think that's what he expected for an answer. I, you know, when he said, bless me, you know, I'm not gonna let you go. Well, well, what's your name? <laughs> right? That's not what he expected. He was expecting uncle, right? Fine, I'll bless you. What do you want? You know, hey, what's your name? You know, and I love how God has a habit of doing that. You know, God is is literally, you know, forgive me, I'm God, I'm I'm not putting words in God's mouth. I'm just saying it would be like somebody saying, you know, how about I offer you a new life in me? I just, I make you new, you know, you no longer have to introduce yourself as the heel snatcher, you know, now you can say, Hey, I'm governed by God or God, God rules either way. That's, that's a pretty cool way to, to look at it. You have a new identity in me and you know, it, he, uh, it, it says here, you wrestled hard against God and man, but you know, as it, it's being explained to us, but you know, God is, so much greater thing to offer that, uh, to him. And, uh, you know, he's <clears throat> asked the man for his name. So he's asking for a blessing because he knows that this man is greater than him. And he asks him for this. So, you know, the implication here is why do you, when, when uh, Jesus, when the man, God, uh, it, when Jesus replies to him, he says, why do you ask, uh, ask about my name? The implication is that Jacob already knew who it was. 
Jacob knew, you know, and, you know, we sometimes ask questions that we know the answer to, don't we? We just, I know the answer to this. I'm going to ask it anyways. Kids do it all the time, don't they? We can know the answer to this question is no, right? So why are you asking the question, right? And uh, in, in the end of it, he comes to the point where he says, this place is uh, Peniel because I've seen the face of God uh, and my life is preserved. And we, so we understand when we put Hosea, uh, that, that what Hosea provides to us, that, that it was a, a time of weeping and seeking favor from God, uh, that this was a, a moment. This isn't going to be something like that Jacob forgets about. You know, the, oh, yeah, I, you know, I totally forgot about that night that I wrestled with God. You know, he's never going to forget that, that he changed my name and that he re put my life on a whole new course just by that name. So as I'm meditating on what my name means, that I'm governed by God, my life has to be different. And uh, so we see that during this, that God was getting to Jacob's heart during the wrestling. And, and uh, he's, he's, he's literally physically wrestling with God. We probably aren't going to have that opportunity. I'm just going to say we probably don't. Now, if you do, videotape it because I want to watch it. Like I told you, I'm, I'm a big real wrestling fan. WWE is its own thing, entertaining. Um, but like the real, real wrestling stuff I love. Um, and uh, the, Oliver and I have shared uh, videos of, of absolutely painful pinning combinations that we've seen of those things. If anybody does, just say, hey, can we put the, can we record this? Because I want to see it. I think it'd be great. But we do. We do wrestle with God, don't we? We find ourselves in our will and what we want to do. We find ourselves wrestling with God. I don't want to let this go. I, I want to hold on to this. I need this to go on in life. I need this or, or you know, this, this needs to be in my life. And God's saying, no, it doesn't. <laughs> no, it doesn't. What's your name? <laughs> What's your name? Are you are you are you a new creation in Christ in me or what are we doing here? You know, and, and the Lord the Lord uh, can uh, minister to us. You know, and I love that the the wrestling match ends when the man touches his hip socket, and uh, you know he gets his attention. We can understand that in a spiritual sense that God is going to put His finger right on what is going to get our attention. When you're wrestling with somebody and you dislocate your hip. You're done wrestling. That's it. I watched a guy in the state finals try to wrestle with a dislocated shoulder. It was not pretty. And the other guy was very respectful, but after a while, the, 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 uh, his, his coach had to throw in the towel because they all realized, like, this guy wrestling him respects him too much and doesn't want to hurt him. And this guy's shown the grit, like, hey, I'm going to try to wrestle with a, with a, a dislocated shoulder. Uh, and it just doesn't work. It, it's, it's, it's grueling, right? The Lord is, has the ability to stop us where we're at and go, what about this right here? You're wrestling. All right. You want to wrestle with me? <laughs> yeah. By the way, I invented every one of these moves. <laughs> right? You know, God, God can say those things. and You know, just um, he can put his finger on whatever he wants in our life. So we find ourselves wrestling for the sake of your hip. I encourage you to, to not do it. So Jacob left with a permanent limp uh, in him, and it changed him physically. Uh, I don't think he would change a thing about what happened, though. I really don't. You know, I bet he was he was still sore. But, you know, in the end, when he looked back, he's going, yeah, but I, I've never experienced anything like that. 
that God, God knows who I am. Just consider what God knew about Jacob. When we're looking at this, right? God knew who Jacob was and that he was a deceiver, that he was a liar, that he was a cheater, that he stole. You know, and he, he was one that was always out for himself. And God wrestles with him. And he left with a limp. But uh, his name changed that day. You know, he's, he's, his name is, is now governed by God. And, you know, um, I don't know about any of us, but, uh, you know, we, we may suffer. <laughs> we may suffer the, oh, I, maybe I didn't need that for the rest of my life, or I didn't need those things. But, but you know, God isn't done with us. God doesn't give up with us. He doesn't say, all right, now you're done. You know, we can walk away from him. <clears throat> you know, we, we can just say, you know what? I'm done. I'm not walking. I, I, I don't want anything to do with the Lord. And he'll let us go and receive, you know, whatever the world has for us. And hopefully by his grace and mercy, he pulls us back in, you know. But I don't want to put my, my life under that question mark. And I, I trust that none of us here would ever want to do that either. Now, we're uh, about 7 o'clock. Um, we could go through um, – were you? Yeah, I mean, if you guys are up for it, we'll do 33. It's a quick one, um, and uh, we've been about 50 minutes now. I'm just, we're just gonna go. So <laughs> we're gonna go into 33, uh, just because uh, I, 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 it, it goes into the story because there's the buildup, right? He's afraid to see Esau, and then there's the break off that that doesn't seem to. If you if you kind of look and you don't consider all of the elements that are happening. You don't seem that it doesn't seem like this would mix in, but God in his perfect timing ministers to Jacob and, and, and changes the way Jacob thinks, changes literally the way he's walking in life before he goes to his brother. This is, this is, it's, it's, it's God's amazing and perfect timing. Genesis 33 verse one says, now Jacob lifted his eyes and looked and there Esau was coming and with him were 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two maidservants. And he put the maidservants and their children in the front, Leah and her children behind, and Rachel and Joseph last. Okay, so he just got a new name. It's going to take him some time to kind of get, you know, here he is. Like, right, well, if anybody's going to go, you guys are first. <laughs> it, 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 it's really bad to look at that, isn't it? Like, well, uh, we'll send the maidservants and, well, Leah, you're next. You know, and, and of course, uh, you know, uh, so he, he's got them there. But what I like here, it says, uh, it says Rachel and Joseph last. So he's got them all lined up and uh, we see that he's OK. There's still some favoritism being showed. But look at verse three. Then he crossed over before them. So he's got them all lined up, but he doesn't send them out first. You know, it looks that way when you're reading verses one and two and you're like, oh, I want to punch him. You know, I know as a guy, as a dad and as a husband, I'm like, what is he doing? You know, but he, what he's doing is you get them all lined up and he goes before them. The Lord had been teaching him and, and building him because Jacob, the schemer is going to continue with, oh, maybe if I send them with butterflies and baskets and they, you know what I mean? He's going to come up with more schemes, right? He knows here they come and I'm going first. You know, there's there's something that's happened in his life. Then he goes, uh, then and uh, so he, it, it, 
we'll start in the beginning of verse 3. Then he crossed over before them and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. But Esau ran to him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept. And he lifted his eyes and saw the women and the children and said, Who are these with you? So he said, The children whom God has graciously given your servant. So, uh, you know, uh, Jacob had had definitely learned something over time that it was not all about him. And when he goes before all of them and he's bowing down, you know, after 20 years, uh, what we saw rather than Esau uh, being just ready to tear him to shreds is Esau runs to his brother. He hasn't seen him in 20 years. That's a long time. It's not like they could have, you know, sent an email or, you know, uh, you know, hey, I, hey, when when you when you go back that way, can you can you let them know? It was there was no communication for twenty years. I wonder if they they ever thought that they'd see each other again. At least on Esau's side, um, the Lord had already promised uh, Isaac, uh, Jacob that he would be going back. But what does he do? He's he's uh, <clears throat> he runs to see his brother, and there's a very emotional greeting between the two and. The time uh, you know, that had uh, the 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 past seemed to be behind them at this point, and the two brothers are, are united, and all they can do is weep and embrace each other. They they're just crying. They're just I don't know how long that lasted, but you're talking about Harry the Hunter, you know what I mean, the mighty man, and he's reduced to tears, just crying on his brother's shoulder. You know this is this is a moment. This is a, this is a powerful moment. Uh, to look at, you know, all these guys can do is weep, and they they've they've had their time weeping, and, and now they're just starting to wipe the tears from their eyes. And uh, and Esau sees Jacob's family, is like, who are all these? You know, the joy you can hear the joy in what's being said, where he says, "Who are these with you?" You know, if you're reading that in black and white text, who are these with you, right? But he's he's crying. He's like, "Who are these?" No doubt, he's got his arm right around his brother. And he's like, "Who are these guys?" What? Like this is these are my family members and you know these are his 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 nephews and at least one niece right and uh, you know Jacob is you know uh, addressing them and uh, addresses him as his as his lord here which is funny um, you know these are the children whom God has uh, graciously given your servant right <laughs> like hey, we're still good right you're not going to stab me as we're looking or anything right you know they they uh, they they had had this occasion. This this moment couldn't have gone any better for Jacob, right? No doubt, still probably a little bit scared. Okay, you know that, that a lot had, had had transpired. A lot had um, had been um, a lot of blessings came his way, and, and it was a lot of time that could have uh, that root of bitterness could have been really really strong. But what we saw is Esau. Esau is just running to him, just just broken. This is this is an awesome uh, event in the scripture. Uh, verse six. Then the maidservants came near, they and their children, and bowed down. And Leah also came near with her children, and they bowed down. Afterward, Joseph and Rachel came near, and they bowed down. And Esau said, oh, "What do you mean by all this company which I met?" And he said, uh, "These are to find favor in your sight, my lord." You know, it's this. 
so he's like, who are all these people? And, and as they're coming and they're, they're, they're bowing down, he's like, well, well, these are my maidservants and, and, and the sons I've had with them. And this is Leah. And these are the children I've had with, with her. And this is Rachel. And, and this is Joseph that, that we've had. And, uh, you know, they're all coming. And, and uh, Esau's like, what was going on with all the droves and gifts, man? You know, what I, I love, I love that Esau wasn't like, yeah, I got all your stuff, man. I really appreciate, you know, Esau is just elated to have his brother back. And, uh, you know, Jacob tells him, hey, there were gifts to find uh, favor in your sight. Verse nine. But Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. And Jacob said, no, please. If I have found favor in your, I have now found favor in your sight. Then receive my present from my hand, and as much as I have seen your face, as though I have seen the face of God, and uh, you were pleased with me. Please take my blessing that is brought to you, because God has dealt graciously with me, and because I have enough. So he urged him, and he took it. I love the the response from from Esau saying, "You know what? I've got enough. You you just just keep them. Uh, that that type of a mindset. Now we know Esau's not a perfect guy. That he's a a, a um, you know when when the scripture you know it, it doesn't speak well of him in any spot. <laughs> that that this man's got his problems. Okay, but we can get glean you know from from this here. I have enough, my brother. That for us." That might remind you of godliness with contentment is great gain, right? And and uh, so he's saying this, and uh, Jacob's insistent on blessing his brother. And I like this this saying here: "In as much as I have seen your faces, as though I had seen the face of God, and uh, you were pleased with me." You know, there's a lot behind that statement. And you know, when when it says, you know, as though I'd seen the face of God, he's not saying I thought you were God. But just think of the face of God and the face of Esau that Jacob was probably sure that that had, you know, turned away in shame from him, you know, that that he had done something extremely shameful and deceiving his blind father into uh, into giving him the blessing. I mean, that's that's there's that's quite a statement for him to say that, you know, basically uh, one way that I thought of that to share was. Both you and God know what I did. Both you and God know who I am and who I was, that I was a schemer and I was a supplanter and a deceiver, you know, and, and Jacob uh, could could actually share with this is God has already dealt with me. And, and, and now I've found favor in your eyes. You know, when, when I saw you, uh, it, 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 it is an amazing thing is what he's saying. Like I've seen the face of God because he knew that what he had that he had sinned and, and he had done wrong, but God had restored him, and and now that he's restored with God and he's restored with his brother, um, uh, he can make a statement like that, and and we can understand it a little bit better. <clears throat> and uh, you were pleased with me, and he's, then I found favor in your eyes. You know, talk about a day of restoration for for one person, right? <laughs> you know, that's that's quite a day. Like, hey, guess what happened last night? And right as day's breaking, you know, my hip hurts a little bit, but but God gave me a new name, and now I'm I I'm I'm reconciled with my brother. I mean, does it get any better than that in a day? You know, those are those are some awesome days. And what does he credit 
We'll look at verse uh, 11. Please take my blessing uh, that is brought for you because God has dealt graciously with me. That's the credit of everything. He doesn't say, hey, let me tell you about the, the sheep and, you know, how I bred them and, you know, I took the re right? Remember, we discussed that. He was careful to give God credit then, and he's saying God has dealt graciously with me. All these things that we're here are, from, uh, are a, a, uh, they're evidence of God's grace in my life. You know, he, he, he's absolutely so right about that. He, God had very much dealt very graciously with him, you know, and, you know, he's, you know, think about his life, what he did to his father, what he did to his brother, how he ran his household, you know, of who's my favorite wife. And, you know, you know, Rachel knows she's the favorite and Leah's just doing everything she can to earn some favor and just, you know, God's grace was his only boast that really, really this guy didn't have much to boast in. He didn't. But but God's grace, Jeremiah nine verses twenty three and twenty four. Thus says the Lord: Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom; let not the mighty man glory in his might; <clears throat> nor let the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this: that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. You know, you're going to glory, let him glory in the Lord and what the Lord does. And that's what he says. He says, God has dealt graciously with me. Give credit where it's due, right? Jacob uh, changed uh, through the whole family circumstances. And, um, you know, uh, that had happened at his family house, uh, at, his, at his father's house, and issues with Laban and you know, these other things that, that we've studied, you know, that happened in his household and and uh, those things. We've seen the lowest of lows for Jacob, but the Lord has been working and changing him. And, you know, he's he's uh, becomes much less of a schemer. There we'll see some a little bit uh, here in the next couple verses uh, here that just seem a little bit out. But uh, um, he's not that man anymore. He's now governed by God and, and uh, God offers the same for us. That as he does a work in our life, that uh, there's a a difference for us. We can walk going, well, that's gone in my life. This has gone out of my life. God had already, he had already had a relationship with God, but God was still pruning things and ripping things out of it. That sanctification process, 20 years, 20 years for him, right? Of, of Okay, this is going to be restored in 20 years. This is going to be, that's a long time. You know, I hope that's not long as, as long as it take for us to get through or get by certain things. But if it does, just follow the Lord in our in our our walk with Him, and He'll give us the strength to. And the Lord will wrestle the stubbornness right out of us, but He'll prevail. Let's finish this out, verse twelve. Then Esau said, "Let us take our uh, let us take our journey. Let us go. I will go before you." But Jacob said to him, My Lord knows that the children are weak, and the flocks and the herds which are nursing are with me. And if uh, the men should drive them hard one day, all the flock will die. Please let my Lord go on ahead before your servant. I will lead on slowly at a pace which the livestock uh, that go before me and the children are able to endure until I come to my Lord in Seir. And Esau said, now let me leave uh, with you some of the people who are with me. But he said, what need is there? 
let me find favor in your sight, my Lord. So Esau returned that day on his way to Seir, and Jacob journeyed to Succoth built himself a house and made booths for his livestock. Therefore, the name of the place is called Succoth. So uh, you know, Esau is ready to go with everybody. Hey, we got everybody. Let's march forward here. He's all excited. He's ready to go. But Jacob uh, and his family have been pressing hard. They're exhausted. And Jacob tells him, hey, just go ahead. We'll, we'll meet up with you uh, in Seir, different spelling. Um, and uh, we'll meet there. And, and uh, it's, it's possible that Jacob's still fearful of Esau. And he's like, hey, things are going great here. Why don't you guys go ahead? I'm going to stay back and, and we're going to go. Because we see at this point that he's supposed to go south, south to Mount Seir, but he goes north to Succoth. And uh, we don't, you know, see the, that, okay, in between, sometimes they're doing you know, big time gaps in, in the scripture that don't explain, okay, hey, for Thanksgiving, they went down and visited. Who knows? But, uh, you know, what we do see is that instead of going there, he went there and he built boots and they settled for a bit and then went on to Shechem uh, is is uh, what ends up happening in verse 18. And, you know, we we don't see uh, Jacob returning to Bethel until uh, uh, chapter 35. And so um, we don't really uh, have any anything here saying what happened with Seir. But we know that Jacob didn't go uh, as he initially said he was going to. So. Uh, verse 18, <clears throat> then Jacob uh, came safely to the city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan, uh, when uh, he came to, I always mess this up, when I'm riding in my car and I hear somebody say this, Padan Aram, Padan Aram is what I'm going to say, because it's Aramaic, it's not Aram, and I, I always say it different, but, uh, and he pitched his tent before that city, and uh, he bought the parcel of land where he had pitched his tent uh, from the children of Hamor, uh, Shechem's father, and uh, for 100 pieces of money. And uh, then he erected an altar there and called it El Elohi uh, Israel, the God of Israel, is what he put it there. So, um, you know, we see here that it's still, instead of going to Seir, uh, Seir he goes to uh, Shechem, uh, which is in the land of Canaan, and uh, of, of Canaan, and uh, sets up a tent. And they're they're getting settled uh, here, and uh, when we get into and and I encourage you, uh, it's it's quite a, a disturbing thing that you're going to read in in 34, uh, uh, but uh, but we'll we'll get into it next week. Um, this is kind of the setting. They're getting set in Shechem, and then uh, there's uh, quite a, a quite an experience here. Uh, with the daughter, uh, Dina or Dinah, however you uh, want to look at that uh, and, and say it. But um, we'll get into that next week. But they're getting settled in here. So uh, we understand that Jacob had went uh, on uh, with his journey from Laban in God's timing and with God's command. And uh, if you'll understand that, you've heard it said in this church several times where God guides, he provides. And we saw that throughout all of this. God had preserved Jacob he had restored Jacob. He restored his relationship with his brother. And God's grace was cited at the source as the source for Jacob's blessing. And uh, through all of that that we just read, and we look at the entirety of what happened, it was God overseeing. And God, remember, God promised when he was at Bethel, I'm going to bring you back just as, as you're coming back through. He'll get to Bethel in, in, in chapter 35. 
But, uh, you know, there's uh, a lot that happens in between there, but God is uh, sure on his promises. So uh, if you're looking at all this, uh, yes, we can learn from the life of Jacob and Esau and, and everything here. But what we see overall is God, God uh, preserving, God restoring, uh, God changing this man. Like I said, excuse me, he received a new name, but it doesn't mean he's, he's perfect. But his, his, his life changed. His heart started to change that day. You know, if you, if you look at it like the Grinch, it wasn't like the, the, the heart grew instantly. And, you know, and the, remember the Grinch grabs the thing before it falls over the cliff. And, you know, it just it grew 10 sizes that day or whatever it says in the, in the poem there. You know, that, that instant, rah, you know, God can have that change in our life, no doubt. But there's often, you know, our flesh that needs to be you know, beaten into submission, really, as if the, you know, we'll look at it that way. So God is faithful. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for your, your love, grateful for uh, your provision, your protection. God, that you are so patient with us. Lord, if we're wrestling, Lord, touch our hip. You know, put your finger on exactly what we need to, uh, to relinquish to you that we would understand who you are and the work that you want to do in our life. And there's nothing that we can uh, try to get in our life that's going to uh, get, uh, you know, fulfill us more than what you have for us. Oh, Lord, you've made us new creations in you. You've restored our lives. We pray that you would restore broken relationships. We pray, God, that you would uh, just continue to get the glory for your grace and your mercy and your truth, that as those were highlighted in what we were studying today, that those would be the things that would the only boast we would have, is that if we were going to glory, let it be in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.